0: Happy Tuesday, one and all, January 16th, 2024. Spring, just 63 days away. The NFL Draft, 100 days away. If you've got a child in school, by all means, check the website. Just Uh, about every school. uh, Big closures with these frigid temperatures. We are 10 degrees to the good from where we were yesterday at this time but it is still terrible out there and we are five days away from our next playoff game bring on the bucks jamie
1: yes uh the eagles collapse continued if you know anything about the eagles they started is it the
0: eagles collapse or the patricia collapse
1: well Uh i'm sure we all know how matt patricia coaches but basically the eagles went from 10 and 1 to start the season defending nfc champs losing six of their last seven including last night, 32 to 9 in a wild card playoff loss to the Tampa Bay Bucks. the Buccaneers just nine and eight and won the worst division in football. So the Lions welcome the Bucks next Sunday afternoon. Uh, they beat the Bucks in Tampa earlier this season 20 to six between behind a season high 353 yards. From Jared Goff. Now, so the Lions are just one win away from the NFC championship game. I'm not looking ahead, but I'm looking ahead.
2: <laughs>
0: and yeah. they've
1: reached the NFC title game just once in the Super Bowl era, and that was in 1991. We know how that yep. went. Yeah. So this is very exciting. The party continues. This seems like a winnable game Definitely. to a lot of people. And um, Dan Campbell did not know who they were going to play yesterday, but once again, he talked about just the atmosphere inside Ford Field, and he expects it again on Sunday.
3: And it was just four hours of nonstop barrage of uh, the fans just going off and, you know, the chance for golf. And uh, it, it was just what a special special environment. I mean, I for anybody that was there, you'll never forget that. You you will never for the rest of your life. That'll be something you're talking about. Uh that was that was special.
1: Yeah. I mean, that was a special day and we get to do it all over again if you're lucky enough to get in there. Now, the Bucks have one of the best receiving tandems in the NFL, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin. The Lions right. have struggled a little bit when the star receiver has come in, but yeah. just like last week they bent a little bit but didn't break. And they just expect to just outscore everybody. Nick
0: Roddy, just checked the line five and a half for the Lions, trending towards six. So we'll see where the where the line ends up on that. But uh, the odds makers, the odds makers, liking the Lions.
1: Yep, Sunday three p.m.
0: All right, yeah, we didn't get prime time this time, which you know helps helps us. I was going (laughs) to say it's a blessing for this trio, (laughs) but you kind of go well. It would have been nice to have seen the guys in prime time again. Uh, Meantime, yesterday, uh, we know uh, from Donald Trump, he often says he wins in a landslide. But you know what? This time he was right. Uh, 51% of the vote. uh, A distant second for Ron DeSantis, 30 points behind. That is a record margin of victory. It is a record showing in the Iowa caucuses. But it means that when you look at the turnout, only 14% of registered Republicans made this choice and altered this race. We are hanging this doggone race on 14%, only the most tried and true, that showed up in Iowa yesterday. Trump sounding rather un-Trump-like in his victory.
4: I want to congratulate Ron and Nikki for having a, a, good, a good time together. We're all having a good time together. And uh, I think they both actually did
5: very well.
0: So who was the biggest loser here coming in second place? By the way, Vivek, Vivek? Ramaswamy uh, <laughs> did withdraw, yeah, which, uh, not, which means – you know what that means? The campaign for vice president begins today. You better believe <laughs> It's it. already been on that <laughs> train. Yeah. So, but it, it appears to me at least when you look at the, the amount of money spent, the 99 counties he visited, the amount of time and money that he invested – that Ron DeSantis is even though he wins second place, yeah. he gets to fight another day. No question, that's a victory. But Donald Trump gets the even bigger victory because with Haley and DeSantis both in it, that continues to divide the alternative vote. Mm-hmm.
1: Yep. Yeah, and the, both DeSantis and Haley sort of had this like very upbeat. We did it, Iowa. We're going on to New Hampshire, and I'm just like, well, you lost by a lot.
6: By a lot. And yeah. and Nikki Haley, she she didn't spend a lot in Iowa. She did most of her spending in New Hampshire. So let's see what happens in New Hampshire if she comes
0: in, you know, in a better place in New Hampshire than uh, she did. And we should point out that most of the spending that was done in the last week to 10 days was against her. I mean, Trump dumped a tremendous amount of money uh, battling her. He obviously fears her more than Ron DeSantis. Mm -hmm. She, he won every county except one. Johnson County, which, and she did well in the bedroom communities, higher education, higher incomes, but she still didn't win there. And the county that she did win, she won by one vote. Wow. (laughs) So, but both she and DeSantis trying to put the best face on it.
7: We represent a chance to reverse the madness that we've seen in this country to reverse the decline of this country, and to give this country a new birth of freedom and a restoration of sanity. That's what we are going to do.
0: Ron DeSantis saying, I am your hope. If you want to have hope, you can find it in my campaign.
7: I want to congratulate
3: President Trump on his win tonight. We have had an amazing 11 months here in the Hawkeye State.
4: I can safely say... Tonight, Iowa made this Republican primary a two-person race.
0: Really? Yeah. <laughs> really? I don't yeah. see that. <laughs> uh, I, I, so, okay. You know, here's, here's the thing. Uh, the, the, the Fox did, did, did an analysis. 77% of MAGA supporters supported Trump. But he got 6 out of 10 of those with no college degree of rural voters, of white evangelicals. He got 54% of voters under 30. So young Republicans came out for him. The top issue in Iowa. And remember, Iowa's not a border state. Well-insulated. Right. They're not getting the bus loads from Texas. Immigration. forty-four, forty percent said immigration is the top issue. Uh, six point higher than the economy. Uh, only 7% chose foreign policy. And uh, the the amongst those that address the top priority, 63% that say Donald Trump. One in five did not pick DeSantis, Haley, or Ramaswamy as addressing their main issue the best. Um, and the only place where this is a really glimmer of hope for Haley, she got 44% of the vote of those that decided within the last month. But that was only 15%. Nearly 50% had their minds made up more, oh, yeah. much more than a month ago 65 percent either didn't have to make up their mind they said 63 percent said we've known all along so th- that's where we are heading into new hampshire uh she does well there but if she doesn't do well in south carolina it's going to be all over i got an alert on my phone last night about eight thirty, saying <laughs> from cna what was that about that
6: You know, the caucuses are done. Race has been called. Donald Trump is the winner. And I'm like, wow. That's
0: 7.30 Iowa time. Right. And they just started at 7. Right. Right. So they're still in the gym hearing from speakers, hearing from the reps of all the campaigns. And remember, this is not a... This is not like a primary where you go to the polls and That's maybe right. only a few stragglers uh, are left voting exactly. when that word comes out. No, they or are getting still, exit polls throughout the day. They are you know. still in their caucus center. Many had not. Vote. I I looked at the tabs. Mm-hmm. Lloyd, when that came down, only 500 people had voted. They based that projection on 500 real votes.
1: I don't understand that. They based it on entrance votes. Then why go in and do your caucusing? If you're going to just assume.
0: Right. And I can tell you what happened in those gymnasiums and living rooms and mm-hmm. other places where there were the arm twisters, which is what happens at a caucus. They're saying, look, folks, bandwagon. You got to get on the bandwagon. See, it was this was all a futile attempt for yeah. De- DeSantis and Haley to begin with or Ramaswamy. Give us your vote. So you don't know how much his 50 percent, 51 percent margin came after the networks had handed it off. And this the timing is bad. We're, we're, you know, you're
6: dealing with. Um, um, election interfere. We're talking about election interference, low and credibility, credibility for, low the for the media. I mean, I mean, this is just this doesn't help, and they made it. But worse.
1: nothing was done. This is how it works. When the doors close, they're allowed to do this. Right. These are the rules of Iowa. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, right. So right nothing right. was done nefarious, no. but it just seems like it sows more mistrust.
0: You know, I, I, I would just if I was Iowa next time around, I'd say you know we're we're not going to issue our formal numbers until at least nine o'clock our time Mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. to give those people in outlying areas a chance to 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 do their thing in these caucuses uh when we come back we're going to be talking with a senior fellow about what's happening uh in israel as we bomb the Houthi rebels did we degrade their military enough to protect our people in the middle east that's next 619 jr morning after 175 attacks against our troops stationed in the middle east we struck back uh finally as hard as we have thus far on friday night hitting 330 locations in yemen and then following up with another uh hit in the wee hours of the morning saturday morning the question is now how much of the houthi offensive capability remains intact is this an end to the attacks on our people uh, we wanted to touch base with Elliot Abrams, Senior Fellow for Middle Eastern Studies at the Council on Foreign Relations, also former U.S. Deputy National Security Advisor under President George W. Bush.
5: Mr. Abrams, good morning. Good morning. Yeah, I, I got to say, congratulations, right? Yes.
3: On <laughs> the
0: lines. Yeah. <laughs> It's a 32-year a m- monkey, a gray-haired monkey, uh, <laughs> off of off of our backs here in the Motor City. So, yeah, we're all a little uh, bleary-eyed here this morning because it was like <laughs> having 20 cups of coffee before we went to bed last night. Yes. Uh, so I, I've got to ask you, first of all, the timing of this. Uh, I, I, I trust you were probably
5: like me saying, what took you so long?
2: <laughs>
5: yes. Um, I, I think we waited... Too long, uh, and you can see it in the fact that so many ships have stopped using the Suez Canal, and you know that that going around the Africa means um, higher prices for us and for everybody else. So I don't know why it took the president so long. Um, no real explanation.
1: What do you think happens? Because of the strikes on the Houthis. I mean, people are are concerned about the war uh, intensifying and expanding. Do you think that happens?
5: I don't. I think, uh, first of all, it it was expanded by the Houthis, and we're trying to uh, stop them from expanding it further. You know, since we hit them, there has been one shot by them at at a ship. Uh, I think that's predictable. They weren't going to do zero. I think we don't know yet whether that's the first of, you know, 10 today or tomorrow, or uh, they're really going to slow down. And that's my guess. I mean, we hit them. We can hit them again and again and again. I've seen news stories saying, well, you know, we only knocked out 20, 30% of their capability. Fine. So you hit another 20, 30% next time. So, I think they're going to slow down. And I think the, you know, the decision makers here are in Tehran, Iran. I think the Iranians, are going to tell them, slow down, guys, slow down. You're not, you can't take on the United States of America. But it, it
0: does seem like the, the Biden administration, and you and I are both asking why. Well, everybody that has Joe Biden's ear is saying, you don't want to widen the conflict. Mm-hmm. As we took hit after hit after hit. They still have, according to the New York Times this morning, three-quarters of their offensive capability intact. How concerned should we be about that?
5: We should be because it means that if they get the order from Iran uh, to do it again and again and again, they will. And, And, you know, Iran's in a wonderful situation here. They're using proxies like Hezbollah in Lebanon or Hamas or the Houthis in Yemen and they seem to be immune. That is, they never get punished. They never pay a price. Okay, the United States hits the Houthis. Who cares? In Tehran, they don't, they don't seem to care very much. Uh, my guess is that the Houthis cool it now. Now that they've seen the U.S. is ready to act, they know that once Biden's taken that step, it's not a big deal for him to do it again. So Uh, I may be wrong, you know, we'll find out in the next week or two, but my guess is that the Iranians tell them, okay, fire off a missile once a week, just so it looks as if you didn't completely, um, let the Americans, um, scare you. But I think they're going to do a lot less now.
1: Uh, Mr. Abrams, your thoughts uh, about Gaza, Hamas released video showing three Israeli hostages in captivity. Uh, Benjamin Netanyahu said, quote, nothing will stop us from destroying Hamas. So what is next? What is the plan when, say, they do believe they've gotten Hamas?
5: Well, they they face, uh, I mean, it's a horrible situation. They face uh, a real decision now because there is some talk of doing a deal where A few thousand of the Hamas fighters and their leaders leave, and they go probably to Algeria. uh, And all the hostages are released, and then the war is kind of over. And that's great for the Israelis because they'd get their hostages back, the ones who are still alive. But it's bad for the Israelis because they won't have destroyed Hamas, which is what they said they were going to do. It's a really tough decision because if you ask Israelis, I got back from there. Last weekend, that is, uh, eight days ago. If you ask them, what are you trying to do? They're trying to destroy Hamas, and they're trying to get the hostages back. And if they've got to choose between those two, that's very tough. We have a new president
0: in Taiwan. He is known as a hardliner in terms of Taiwan remaining uh, somewhat independent. What does that mean for that very troubled region and the relations with China?
5: I think it's a good sign for all of our friends in the region. You don't have to be terrified of China. The Chinese tried to interfere in that election. The Chinese Chinese tried to scare Taiwanese voters away from voting for independence, for a party that stood for independence from China. And it didn't work. It did not work. So I, I think it's a good message that the Taiwanese have courage. They want their own country to be independent of china and they're not afraid to vote that way that to me is a good sign Um, will it mean that china you know changes the date of the invasion to tomorrow morning i don't think so they are pretty heavily dependent on the taiwan economy for chips and many other things semiconductors and they don't want that all
1: destroyed i think it's a setback for china and it's good for us the Washington Post said China sent warships toward Taiwan after the election setback. So, what are they just uh, gauging what they want to do next?
5: Uh, they're trying to scare them. They're trying to scare them, and they're trying to scare everybody else in the neighborhood. And that's why I say I think the fact that the Chinese were in, the Taiwanese were not scared off. Um, it's a message to Australia and and Japan and uh, South Korea, Vietnam. Um, stick with it. You don't have to be so scared of China. Courage, guys.
0: In in terms of our relations with China, one of the things that former President Trump is vowing is that there will be a 10% tariff, not just on Chinese goods, but all imported goods once he is elected president. Um, In terms of what that will do for the American consumer, I guess remains to be seen. But is it safe to say that our trading partners would retaliate?
5: I think they would. I, I think it's a mistake and, you know, it would raise the cost of everything for most American families. I think the better thing to do is something we've started, which is uh, get out of China. That is, you know, people who are uh, who have factories in China, manufacturing in China should be moving those to other places, to Korea, to India, which is getting a lot of it um, slowly but surely. There's a move out of China. I think that's the way to do it. Not to impose a 10% tariff on on everybody. You and I are going to pay for that because so much of what we, you know, if you go to go look at Walmart, so much of what we're buying is imported.
0: Well, and it's a stealth tax, isn't it? I mean, you you really don't know what you're paying. And here we are trying to get an inflation under control, and this is something that would raise prices. It would definitely
5: raise prices because. You know, importers, uh, manufacturers can absorb something, but they can't absorb that full 10%. So prices would definitely rise. I don't see how it makes sense, either economically, because as you say, it would contribute to inflation, or in foreign policy terms, because it fails to distinguish between friends and enemies. It's treating everybody alike, no matter whether they're for us or against us. I don't see the logic.
0: Elliot Abrams, it's always a pleasure to connect with you, and uh, we appreciate you spending your uh, Monday morning with us.
5: You're very welcome, and, again,
0: congratulations. (laughs) Thank you (laughs) you so much. You can can see the glow even from here, can't you? (laughs) I can. (laughs) All right. Take care, and hopefully all of our troops stationed in the Middle East are safer uh, because of what happened over the weekend. Do check with your child's school online. Chances are uh, your child's school has been canceled yet again. Unclear when we'll get any break from the frigid temperatures that are extreme enough now that it's uh, caused another day of school closings. We uh, are looking at the teens, I think, by the end of the week, but it's going to continue to be cold. We still still got wind chills out there. I don't know about you guys. I encountered some really slippery spots because there was some dusting overnight.
1: Yes, it was a little slippery on 94.
6: Yeah, some black ice
1: out there, too.
0: Yeah, Yeah. and uh, so do be careful out there because there are some slick spots that do kind of sneak up on you. You can't see that black ice beneath that thin dusting, so uh, be careful out there. It is Tuesday. That means it's time for Mobility Makers. Guys, we know, Oh, I should tell you first that it's brought to you by Bridgestone. Getting people down the road matters. They're getting generations down them. That's what really matters. Bridgestone, visit whatreallymatters.com to learn more. You know, we rely on our sensors a lot now on cars. Mm -hmm. They are the eyes of our vehicle. But just like our own eyes, what happens if you get dirt in them? And also, for those sensors, water is an enemy. It ends up with blurred vision well today uh, we learn more on how a local business AGC Automotive Americas international company based here uh, both in Ypsilanti and Farmington AGC Automotives is developing a new glass and when I was at CES last week I talked with Eric Rogers business development leader for AGC So we know that sensors are going to be incredibly important in an autonomous application and the problem is that water beads up on ordinary glass. We need a better glass for that application. AGC, which has a significant presence in both Farmington Hills and Ypsilanti, has worked out a solution super hydrophobic Glass. It sounds like this glass needs intensive therapy. <laughs>
8: <laughs> no, no therapy at all. It's um, you're absolutely right. So super hydrophobic glass. A lot of uh, sensors are going behind glass, whether it's the windshields or side windows or even the back windows on the car. Right? You need to be able to see the outside. But wow, we live in the Midwest. Sometimes it rains, and more often than that, it snows or sleeps. So we have a, a variety of different solutions, chemical or modifying the surface of the glass to help repel water or sleet or snow so the sensors have an unobstructed view no matter what kind of weather conditions we have. So are the
0: repellent properties in the piece of glass that we're looking at here that AGC has developed, is it a film over the glass? Is it a repellent that's applied that's a a solution? Or is it the glass itself, the chemical composition of the glass itself that makes it hydrophobic?
8: So it's very very thin films it's not plastic or anything like that because we also want to keep the durability of the of the glass it's either surface modifications or a very very thin chemical layer that goes directly onto the the glass so in the same way that uh, certain types of fabric can be made to repel water we can do very similar things directly onto the glass
0: And is when we're looking here, they've got a demonstration model where you can see the water streaking and standing uh... on an ordinary piece of glass that's almost being held vertically whereas the super hydrophobic glass I mean it doesn't bead for a moment on the surface I would imagine too that this glass
8: also has to be highly durable exactly and that's really the intent is we want the glass itself to be every bit as durable as it is even without this treatment so not compromising on the durability of the glass at all uh, the same durability as any normal uh, windshield, for example Okay, well, and, and I mean, it, it doesn't it have to be maybe even more durable than that? Because
0: the one thing you don't want to l- use is lose a, a sensor. We can take a chip to our windshield and keep going.
8: If we have an autonomous vehicle, we get a chip on the sensor, we got a bigger problem. For sure, and that's that's a really, really good point. So, And that's the thing. We could make the glass much, much more durable, but that comes with other compromises. Like, for example, we could make it a lot stronger and never get a rock chip. But if you ever get into a car accident, a pedestrian, or something like that, the closer we make that piece of glass to a brick wall, yeah, maybe you won't get a rock chip, but it's more like a brick wall, so there's trade-offs there. So we try to make it soft enough to absorb impacts if they happen to happen, but hard enough that we get minimal rock chips.
0: Yeah, I understand you do a pebble test uh, for, for this. I'd like to see that sometime.
8: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Come on down. You're always welcome in our Ypsilanti facility and see some testing. Or you can just bring it out to the lodge with me on a daily basis, and we can do that. <laughs> Oh, that's <laughs> those. That's a severe condition. I don't know if we can pass testing on the M10. <laughs> Thanks very
0: much. Eric Rogers from AGC in Salatic. I got to tell you, their, their exhibition there was almost magic because they just had a steady flow of water coming across their treated glass, and it didn't beat up. I mean, it just... Totally ignored it. It was totally repelled. And I was like, "Excellent! can you get me some of that for the couch for when the kids, the grandkids come over? <laughs> right. I just, it's like the best Scotchgard ever. Uh, so watch for that. And hopefully it'll make folks a lot safer out there. Um, we do have some warming centers out there, and that's uh, good information to pass along as we look at t- temperatures, again, uh, nudging along in the single digit. Yeah, definitely. Uh,
6: if you go to uh, the city of Detroit, uh, first of all, Wayne County has a lot. Um, Dearborn, there are some in Dearborn, Canton Township, Allen Park, the Allen Park Community Center, uh, Dearborn Police Department is one as well, the uh, Bryant Library in Dearborn, also, an e course, uh, the Ethel Stevenson Senior Center. Uh, those are some of the warming centers there. And in the city of Detroit, you have the Detroit Rescue Mission Ministries on MAC. You have the Detroit Rescue Mission Ministries uh, on 3rd. Uh, also, the Joseph Walker Williams Rec Center. That's on Rosa Parks Boulevard. That is also. A warming center and, and in just, Oakland it, County as
0: well. Yeah, and, and call the business number at a local precinct if you don't know where to send somebody. If you see somebody endangered, let, let, let the
6: authorities sure. know about it.
1: Oakland County's official website has this little map, and you can click on the Ws. Those are all warming centers.
6: And the school closings are on WJR.com. If you go on WJR.com on the head page there, you'll see... Uh, all of the school closings
1: Times have changed I used to wake up in the morning and watch the television intently waiting for my school to oh, scroll across
6: We used to <laughs> we used to read all of those Oh, you did here oh, on the we, radio? We had to read them. Yeah, I would read so many, and then Dick would read so many, and maybe Marie oh, would I read. I remember. Are you a Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah,
0: no. but do you remember as a kid going, <laughs> I don't care about my
8: county. Right?
1: Right. <laughs> Whatever right.
0: county they're telling you, it's not You'd the one you need. you wait in
1: the alphabet for your <laughs> yeah. school yeah. county <laughs> yeah. and then name. <laughs> yeah. Times have changed. Yeah.
0: yeah. Um, when we come back at uh, 649, it, the temperatures are dangerously cold, but just how dangerous. What is the risk of hypothermia, frostbite? And understand that if you make a mistake today, it can haunt you or your child many years into the future. We'll talk to an expert next on JR Morning at 649. We're caught in this cold snap in Michigan, and it's the kind of cold that can be dangerous
6: if you're not careful because if you're out in this cold for a long period of time, you can get frostbite, and not just on the tip of your nose or your fingers, but also your cheeks and your ears. We're going to have another frigid high temperature uh, today, and when you factor in the wind, that wind chill factor, well, that will be below zero, so it's going to be chilly out there. On the JR Morning Live line to let us know the warning signs for frostbite, hypothermia, and other cold-related illnesses is Dr. Jason Veter. He's head of Henry Ford Health's Department of Emergency Medicine. Dr. Veter, welcome to JR Morning. Good morning. How are you? We're great. And in these temperatures, how long does it take for frostbite to develop? And and what are some of the warning signs?
7: Yeah, so uh, frostbite, uh, when it gets to this kind of temperature, when you're around zero degrees and you're not properly clothed, it can take about a half hour to get frostbite. But as the wind chill and uh, as the wind chill makes it colder, uh, if you're at about 15 below, it could take 15 minutes. So it does not take very long. It's really important that if you're going to go outside, that you're really properly dressed because it's very dangerous if you're not.
6: And some of the warning signs?
7: Yeah, some of the warning signs. Frostbite kind of comes in a couple different flavors. At first, you get something called frost nip. That's kind of the first indicator that you're getting yourself into trouble. Uh And that's when you can get some red skin. You can get some tingling. um, You can start to feel a little bit of numbness. Then that will progress to frostbite. Frostbite is when your skin can get white, it gets very cold, sometimes it can look hard and waxy. You can get also, you can start to feel clumsy or drowsy, fatigued. Uh, those are signs that really things are really starting to go poorly. That can then progress to slurred speech, confusion, difficulty with your breathing, and even heart rhythm irregularities.
1: Uh, doctor, for the people who work outside, how do they protect themselves?
7: Yeah, great question. Uh, obviously the best thing you can do is to try to limit the amount of time you're outside. So if you have to work outside, if you can come inside frequently, that helps. But if you have to be outside, the way you're dressed is the most important thing. You want to have essentially three layers at least of clothes on. The first layer should be on your skin and kind of wicks away any moisture, any sort of moisture would accelerate the, uh, the risk that you could get in, that you could get into trouble with hypothermia or frostbite. That second layer is more of an insulating layer, and then the last layer is keeping the keeping the elements away from your skin. Uh, wearing a hat is very important. Uh, you can lose about 30% of your body heat through your head, so wearing a hat is important. I know you had mentioned just before the uh, areas that you want to protect the, the most are the areas the furthest away from our circulatory system, so things like your fingers, your toes, your nose, your ears, those are areas that are high at risk if they're not properly covered. Doctor,
0: Doctor, we know that the kids are going to get out and play in the snow when it gets a little bit warmer. You mentioned that we want clothing that will wick the moisture away from our skin. What about the moisture that might get on their faces while they're playing? How quickly would that accelerate the process of frostbite?
7: It would definitely accelerate accelerate any sort of uh, potential for frostbite. With kids, you know, you still want the kids still want to go outside and play and make a snowman and things like that. It's just once again about making sure they're not outside for long periods of time and to really have their face covered. Yeah. So I, to make sure that everything is covered as best as possible to decrease their exposure. I'm asking
0: for a dad that may have done that 30 years ago. Um, <laughs> the the when when that does happen, if you do get a case of frostbite. How much does that impact you and make you vulnerable to future cases? Does it make it easier for you to get frostbite in the future?
7: It does. And depending on the severity of the frostbite also predicts how how risky or how easily you can get frostbite again. If you do get any sort of symptoms of frostbite, what's important is, once again, is to come inside to try and get warm. Take any Sort of wet clothing off your skin as quickly as possible. Uh, you can then je- you can drink warm warm drinks will help. You do want to actually avoid alcohol. I always remember growing up watching cartoons with a Saint Bernard, you know, with a barrel around his <laughs> neck with yeah. alcohol. We want to avoid drinking alcohol. Alcohol actually draws some of the blood away from our core, so you can feel warm, but it's actually it's actually doing you harm. And then you want to gently rewarm any areas that are cold. Do not put any areas under hot water that would be incredibly painful uh, and then people have to trust their instincts If you really feel you 're in a in a place where you 're potentially very sick or that you can 't do anything at home, you should report to the emergency department immediately
6: we 're speaking with uh, Dr. Jason Viter, head of the Henry Ford Health Department of Emergency Medicine. Dr. Viter, explain hypothermia and and how that affects your body.
7: Yeah, so hypothermia is more of a systemic problem, like frostbite's a certain area where hypothermia is going to be more how you're feeling overall. Hypothermia is considered uh, when your temperature drops below 95 Fahrenheit or 35 Celsius. And once again, you have some of those symptoms of just um, you can start to shiver, uh, you can get some slurred speech. You can even feel like your joints are hard to move because you're getting some stiffening. And then when you start to have problems like confusion or breathing problems uh, or a loss of consciousness, obviously you've really gotten yourself into trouble.
6: What's the treatment for hypothermia?
7: So once again, it's it's actually what we call active rewarming. Uh, it can be very uncomfortable. So um, uh, you want to try to get you want to try and get yourself out of the cold as quickly as possible but once again it's about putting getting that person warm so getting warm getting wet clothing off their skin and then uh wrapping them in blankets sometimes we give people warmed mm-hmm. iv fluids to help with these problems
6: dr jason veder head of the henry ford health department's department of uh emergency medicine uh, great information thank you so much for being with us this morning on this chilly Monday, uh tuesday morning on jr morning thank you so much
7: Hey! Thanks so much. Go Lions. Go Lions. Go Lions. <laughs> it, Everybody.
0: They they are a cure for frostbite, aren't they? I'm, they I'm are. pretty sure. Yeah. Uh, well, some of them. And
1: the stadium's indoors, which yeah. is not like Buffalo. There the is last a night.
0: a good warning there, though, that if you mess up as a parent and you don't protect your children from frostbite, they can pay for it the rest of their lives. It's yeah. a little bit like the, the really bad sunburn. But you learn right?
6: you learned something new. I didn't know that. You know that they it could come back again. It's like the gift. It's not really a gift. It keeps on giving. You yeah. know.
0: Yeah, present company learned it the hard way. It's 6.58 on News Talk 760. It's not a snow day, but it is a cold day for uh, southeast Michigan children. Do check their websites. Check WJR.com. We'll make sure that you're fully informed as to whether or not your child's school is open. But bank on the fact.
1: Assume, yes. that it's yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it, it, No. Yeah, Assume assuming that it, it's closed. There's a lot, yeah. yes. Uh, Yeah, it is a long, long list. Uh, meantime. <laughs> Uh, it it warms my little heart that, uh, that it's going to be the Buccaneers heading our way on Sunday.
1: I think this looks like a really good matchup for this three seed lion team hosting the Tampa Bay Bucks on Sunday at three o'clock. This is happening because the Eagles concluded their epic collapse imploded (laughs) from 10 and one to losing six of their last seven. The Bucks won last night's game 32 to nine. So, Baker Mayfield and his resurgence is coming here to Ford Field. Now, the Lions have played the Bucks earlier this season, and they beat them. Uh, 353 yards passing from Jared Goff. They won 20-6 to six earlier. Uh, the Bucks do have a good receiving tandem of Mike Edwins and Chris Godwin. Um, but that and- didn't
0: get them into the end zone.
1: No, and C.J. Gardner Johnson compared last week Rams duo of Cooper Cup and Puka Nakua to these two coming in for the Bucks. But I mean, the Bucks were nine and eight and won the worst division in football. You would think the Lions can get this done.
6: And we beat them in Tampa already, and it's going to be crazy at Forest Field on Sunday.
1: Of course, it's going to be crazy. You no, know,
0: if, if we win, and let's say the Packers prevail, we host again. Yes, yes. we get another one, yeah. right? I mean, yeah. wouldn't that be amazing? And our our new friend Benjamin Cap, the eighty nine year old Detroit Lion, sixty six year long season ticket holder. We were going to talk with him this morning. He's uh, there's been a complication in his. So he's fine. He's great. He's going to be there on Sunday with bells <laughs> he on. Has I talked to, to him. Yes, his his daughter is a workout buddy of mine, and um, she said he is just over the moon, and the family is just astonished at the amount of media attention. <laughs> that dad is getting. But you talk about uh, us, any 66-year love affair and is an amazing, amazing thing, but when the the, uh, y- the object of your affections has been as fickle as the Lions, yes. that's an amazing thing.
1: I have said this. I, I'm so happy for Lions fans. You guys deserve this.
6: Yes. You know, I, I told my brother, I said, you know, finally, you know, I feel like I, I'm at the table now with the big boys. You know, you sit at the table with the big boys because, you know, we've never, as fans here, have felt what a lot of the other teams and fans have felt when it comes to playoffs and and, and all of that. When it
1: comes to being in prime time, the Lions were never in prime time. So a lot of things have changed with this regime and Dan Campbell, and
8: I just love it. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Speaking it's, of fans,
8: did you guys see what Matthew Stafford said after the game on Sunday? I, I know we don't really want to go. We don't want to go backwards in to his abbreviated the Rams.
0: comments because I think yeah. the Rams PR cut him off, didn't they?
9: Uh,
8: that was no. The, that was no. I'm not sure they did. Yeah. So the, the question was, yeah, what do you think about the city of Detroit and and the success of the Lions? And and his answer was like, I'm happy for the players. And kind of people are reading into that as far as he's spurred the fans.
1: No. No. I think people are looking
0: into it. Kelly came out afterwards and and said some nice things about the fans, right? I I think
1: he was just upset that they lost and trying to be loyal to his team and his city that he now plays for. And he meant nothing by that. Again, they've spent all this money at, say, Detroit, and they care still about Detroit. Yeah.
0: Um, We do uh, have a landslide victory for former President Donald Trump in Iowa. Fifty-one percent of the vote going his way. Um, There should be, I wouldn't call it an asterisk, but put it in the proper perspective. Only 14 percent of the registered Republicans in the state of Iowa went to caucus last night. So we're having a a very strong, determinative effect. And, and, And some of the pundits, whether you listen to CNN or MSNBC, even Fox, they'll say, well, that means 48% would still prefer some kind of alternative. Well, not when you consider that there's, going, there's a bandwagon effect when you win Iowa by five points. He won it by more than 30. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, he uh, also is, is, is coming out of this with the largest margin of victory in the history of the Iowa caucus. How much does
6: weather play into this and the polling that said he was going to win? And people maybe just say it, mm, forget it.
0: Well, and how much of that. this goes to the fact too that uh, AP and all the cables called it for him only <laughs> twenty minutes into the caucus. And understand the caucus: the first hour of the caucus is really just people talking, trying to rally you to their candidate. So f- fewer than five hundred votes were cast when I got word on my phone that it yeah. had been called for Trump. That's nothing. That's nothing against the former president. But by God, the media should rein in their horses, especially when it's a caucus, not a primary. It's not just a matter of a few people are still in line waiting to vote. Everybody was waiting to vote. But that's the rule, though.
6: They, they can do, at seven once in seven their time, which is eight our time at seven o'clock. They can they can call it right. Isn't that Those are Iowa? the rules.
1: Once the door's shut on the caucus, on the caucus you're yeah. allowed to. But should you? And, and exactly. Brett,
6: Brett Hume uh, from Fox, he says, uh, you know, it's hard to believe that very many people would say, oh, my goodness, the race has been called.
0: And I'm going home. He says he did not think people are going to do that. They didn't go home. But remember, there are people in that caucus room that are trying to get you to change your vote. Mm-hmm. There there are arm twisters for, from all the campaigns right. there. And that's part of the great ground. That's the other big message out of this. Trump's ground game was incredible in the state of Iowa, even better than Ron Even though he Santis. didn't visit. Right. <laughs> yeah, he visited. Yeah. Fifteen counties, zero debates, and still had this sweeping victory. I mean, the power, his hold over the party and his ability to motivate is unquestionable here. Uh, Both Haley and DeSantis, DeSantis said, you know, the media has been against us from the beginning, but neither one was making excuses.
7: We represent a chance to reverse the madness that we've seen in this country to reverse the decline of this country, and to give this country a new birth of freedom and a restoration of sanity. That's what we are going to do.
0: Here's the question, guys. In, in any other campaign, you know, coming out of New Hampshire, if he comes in a distant third, you would say, well, it's time to drop out. Mm-hmm. If Haley doesn't have a strong second-place finish, you might say it's time for her, her like Vivek or Sami did yesterday, to drop out your front-runner has 91 criminal charges against him and also a 14th Amendment challenge. So do you stay in longer, and can you convince your money people to support you longer, just in case, to be the plan B?
1: I think that's exactly why they're staying in it.
0: Yeah, I mean, this is – we're really in uncharted waters here, and I think that's it's going to be a hard question for the – You know, she did, again, very well in those areas that were bedroom communities with higher income, higher education voters like you're going to see in New Hampshire. But she didn't do well enough to beat Donald Trump, except in Johnson County, where she won by only one vote. Mm
1: -hmm. But her argument is going to be, I can beat Biden.
0: By huge, by a much larger margin than Donald Trump and all the head to heads.
1: Right.
0: Yeah. And you've got 43 percent of the electorate now identifying, self-identifying as independence which you can't overstate how important that is come november and come the general election and they're going to be uh banging that drum a lot time for wjr's business beat brought to you by shelving.com re your world here's jeff sloan founder and ceo of startup nation good morning jeff
9: good morning guy lloyd and jamie shopping on social media has been a building trend for some time now Sales on various social media platforms have been increasing year over year, but now TikTok has initiated its social selling program in earnest, and that should take social shopping to the next level and beyond. Drawing on its success with driving product discovery on the platform, TikTok has now announced plans to go further with the launch of a shop tab that allows users to not only discover, but to actually complete purchases right on the platform. The feature will roll out to users worldwide and will function by aggregating product listings from multiple sellers, which TikTok users can then shop and from which they can complete purchases. The move to further offer shopping functionality seems like a natural evolution for TikTok, given that 40% of Gen Z users on the platform use it as a shopping search engine. In other words, they use it to start their purchase journey. So bolting on the rest of the shopping experience seems like a logical step to allow shoppers to actually complete their purchases. And while TikTok has seemed like a place to buy lower-end goods, now even luxury brands like Balenciaga and Louis Vuitton are launching more and more campaigns to sell right on the platform. TikTok offers the following tips for success if you think this might be a channel for you. One, test the waters before committing to a full sales offering campaign. Try launching one category before moving on to offer others. Two, creative campaigns do best on TikTok, so focus on attention-grabbing campaigns in order to drive attention. Authenticity always resonates best on the platform. And lastly, campaigns on TikTok should revolve around creating remarkable brand experiences. Ready to expand your sales channels? Maybe TikTok is right for you. I'm Jeff Sloan, founder and CEO of StartupNation.com, the source for everything you need to start and grow your own dream business. And that's today's business beat on the great voice of the Great Lakes, WJR.
6: Michigan's. Michigan's primary presidential election, that's about 40 days away. And the problems inside the state GOP, well, they don't seem to be resolving anytime soon. Over the weekend, Christina Caramo was reaffirmed as chair of the state GOP. And she said in a video posted to social media that the matter has been settled. She said the January 6th meeting was ruled illegitimate by the state committee. You know, in that meeting, that's when she was kicked out as chair. It appears a lawsuit over the control of the Michigan Republican Party may be imminent. Let's find out by chatting this morning with Warren Carpenter. He's the former district committee chair of the Michigan GOP. Warren, good morning.
10: Hey, good morning, guys. How are you?
6: Good. You know, the Republican National Committee, they're being a little quiet so far about this infighting. So will this end up uh, before a judge?
10: Yeah, I think that that's the only way that uh, this thing gets adjudicated. Um you know, uh professional organizations, uh, homeowners associations, even corporate boards, um, they all operate under a set of bylaws. Uh, the Michigan Republican Party is no different. Um, you know the the meeting on one six uh, um, by utilization of attorneys and parliamentarians and so forth, that we would follow the rules and we would um, you know have every uh, you know "t crossed on i dotted that uh, when we actually did go to that meeting, that everything that took place in it would hold up in court, we knew that Christina wouldn't go away if she was voted out. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can't just have another meeting to invalidate a meeting that was held legally. You know, it doesn't kind of work like that. So she didn't show up to vote, right? She didn't show up and have her people show up. So you can't, uh, you can't get a redo. So I, we're going to have to have a court decide uh, who followed the rules and who didn't necessarily.
6: That's the thing though, is though, is, we don't really know what the bylaws are when we ask her about it, and she really doesn't go into it. She was on with us uh, last week, uh, and she said that that meeting was illegitimate—the uh, January 6 meeting—because they didn't have a quorum, uh, because a majority of members were not present. There are 107 members; there were about 50 in that meeting. Now, in this particular one, where she was, you know, reelected, so to speak, uh, there were 60 members, so it was 59 to one to keep her on the job.
10: Yeah, well, that hasn't been uh, proven to be true either because you can't see and she hasn't shown any of the sign in sheets or the credentialing. Um, They also, in that meeting, I heard uh, voted to suspend the bylaws. Like, one thing you can't do is suspend the bylaws, guys. You know, you can suspend a rule. um, You know, you can make a motion to amend the bylaws, but even that has its own process. Now, we did amend the bylaws in our meeting, um, but that's what I'm talking about. She doesn't understand what the rules are. And if you don't want understand what the rules are it's uh you know it, it's no wonder that you know, that she thinks this or she thinks that so you know i i, I know and i'm more than confident in, in what we put together because like i said we had attorneys helping us along the entire process uh the courts will decide this and and to be honest with you follow the prediction this is going to be the exact same ruling as the hillsdale case and uh mm-hmm. and we will win this we will win this suit
1: but logistically, so you, the primary is coming up. Do you have these warring factions, two different websites? I mean, what is yep. the likelihood?
10: Guys, it's, it's not about that stuff. It's about the fact that, that they're conducting. You know what? They have a new treasurer. This is the fourth treasurer in a year. Every quarter they get a new treasurer. Okay. Every time a filing is due, there's a new treasurer. I, I, when when the truth comes out about everything that this, that, that's happened in the administration, it's not just um, she's bad and we're mad, right? It's that they're running the party into the ground. We're going to have thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars in FEC fines. If we, if we don't get in there and someone doesn't start to self-report this, this will, be, this will be disastrous for the party long-term, not just on the presidential primary and the caucus. Um, like we have to self-police. We can't say that we're the party of law and order and we're gonna, you know, and we're gonna support things that that are the antithesis of that. This doesn't make any sense.
0: She has purged her co-chair. She's threatening to purge other district uh, chair people that have allied against her. Uh, can that be undone? Is that valid? And also, what about this fact that every time we have her on, she goes, well, this is the same deep state establishment Republicans that have been against me from the beginning, kind of suggesting that you're not true MAGA, whatever it may be. Will you respond to both of those things for me, please?
10: Yeah. Um, to hit the second one first, you know, um, I was a huge supporter of Christina's. I raised like 20 grand for her. Uh, her car broke down over the summer. I let her borrow my, one of my trucks for my work. Um, I gave her the $1,000 it took for her to run for chair since so she had started 527, um, which is an IRS entity that helps you kind of raise up to $25,000 for, for political races and stuff. Um, you know, if I was so deep state the entire time, then why'd you, why'd you take all my money? Why'd you accept everything, all, all the work I did for you? You know, I ran her floor count at the convention. I, I helped with the votes to get her elected. You know, it wasn't until I saw behind the, the curtain and, and, and realize that the Wizard of Oz, you know, was, was Mike Lavity pulling all these strings, and Christina was just a talking head. You know, there's bad stuff that's going on, and, and I don't care what she says about people. I, you know, they've, they've defamed people. They've, they've character assassinated people. Yeah. But, you I mean, she, they,
0: sure, her answer seems to be to keep shrinking the tent. You know, she's alienated the Betsy DeVos' yeah, of the world and that and were Deep pockets the, contributors, and then she's kicking more people out of the tent well, that, when that, they disagree the with her.
10: That's the problem, guys. Like, like there's no addition through subtraction. Okay. Like there is no addition through subtraction. Um, and, and that's, that's the problem, you know, in, in, as far as the people being kicked off the committee, like, no, that'll be really invalid because the meeting wasn't valid because she was removed as chair on one six. And so a judge will look at it and our some of it and, and it'll all, it'll all shake itself out. Um, the unfortunate thing is, is if you get someone who refuses to leave, then the only way to get them out is through an eviction process. And that's what we're going through. We're going through the eviction process.
6: The Republican National Committee will they have any say? So, do we just wait for this to go before a judge?
10: Here's the thing: um, we were in communication with the RNC, uh, and we were in communication with the RNC prior to the one-six meeting as well. We were letting them know that this is uh, this is what we were going to do, and this is how we we're going to attempt it. And they kind of they said, "Well, make sure everything's right. Make sure everything's perfect." And when it came to them, um, they punted, and, and I'm, I'm assuming they punted because, you know, the lawyers were pretty much in agreement with us um, every time that, that our counsel talked with them. And, you know, my our attorney on this actually is an RNC attorney. The attorney I hired back in September, he's an RNC attorney. He works for the for the RNC right now. So it's not like he had to, you know, find people to pick up the phone to call. They're, they're people that he works with. They're his peers. and uh, And they just, they basically said, you know, you know, we, you know, we're going to, we see this as interparty. We, we can't rule on it anytime soon. We hope that you can get this figured out. <laughs> well, we we will wait and see how
6: this turns out because uh, it it does not seem to have been uh, resolved. And it looks like it will have to go before a judge before it can get resolved. Warren Carpenter, former district committee chair for the Michigan Republican Party. Thank you so much for joining us here on JR Morning. Warren, very Thank
0: quickly,
10: you. how soon do you file? Uh, I would, I would say the filing will be say tomorrow.
0: Okay. Very good. It continues to be bitterly cold out there. You can check the school closings at WJR.com. They are updating continually, and there are many of you. You can probably make a safe supposition uh, (coughs) that your child's not going to school today. The question is is whether or not you're going to go to work. And if you choose not to, there is now an even larger question about whether or not you're kind of shooting yourself in the foot when it comes to future promotions. Uh, Over the past year, a group called Live Data surveyed and analyzed 2 million white-collar workers and found that remote workers were promoted 31% less often than those who work in an office, either full-time or on a hybrid basis. So going full remote um, can really be harmful to your career. They found that they also get less mentorship. That's especially pronounced for women. But I want to get your reaction to one of the quotes in this article in the Wall Street Journal. A, an economist for Stanford said, there is some proximity bias going on. I literally call it discrimination. <laughs> is it discrimination if you're making – ch- if it's your choice not to go into work, not to work in person? If you choose remote work – and you may be doing it for a variety of reasons. Yeah. Maybe you don't have child care. But is it discrimination? I I just found that quote to be really curious.
6: Well, my my thing is, if I am doing the job and the work is getting done, but I don't get promoted because you can't see my face every day, then I got an issue with that.
1: Well, what if you are not interacting? Especially if working from home is totally acceptable in your workplace, right? Then it has to be based on the work and not if you are in person or not.
0: Yeah, I still think you are you are absolutely right, but can you get the? Is your boss able to really evaluate you over a Zoom call? Do you have those moments and those interactions when you can build street cred with yeah. them? The one thing that was interesting, and this came out from Business Insider, a, a study showing that this return to office uh, policy that is really taking hold doesn't improve profitability and it doesn't improve productivity either. That if those are cited as reasons why the boss needs you back to work, it's really more about him wanting to control you. They found in this study, again, cited in Business Insider, no benefit uh, necessarily, no, you know, no market increase in productivity.
1: I think it's individual. Mm -hmm. If you're really a productive person, you can be that in either spot. Yeah. I mean, you can find ways to twiddle your thumbs if you're in person or if you're in your house doing laundry and not work.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So so another question. Today, uh, we know there is a lot of division within the Biden administration over his support for Israel, his support for the war in Gaza. That is the we've now passed 100 days continues to kind of erode that that support. Uh, But there is word that federal workers may be walking off the job in protest today Because of the Biden war policy.
6: And I heard that the speaker said if they walk off, they should all be fired. What do you think about that?
1: I think, isn't it your right to call in sick or do whatever you want for free speech?
0: As an American taxpayer, do I I have to subsidize your free speech? I support your free speech. You want to take the day off? You want an unexcused absence? That's, I, I don't, as a taxpayer, have to subsidize that, do I? You're not doing your job. I support your free speech, by the way. I, absolutely. But I don't know that I should have to pay for it or that when I call Social Security or when I call um, the, the IRS for help with my taxes, that your inability to help me, that, that I need to basically say, oh, well, they have a right to protest.
2: Well,
6: I mean, you know, you have, you have companies where, where workers call in sick. And everybody calls in sick at the same time.
1: There was that when they didn't want to drive the, the Jewish the folks people. in Washington D.C. All those bus right. drivers called in sick.
0: Yeah, that well, again, now that's bias. <laughs> that's yeah. discrimination. Well, yeah, <laughs> that's uh, to get back to the original story. I it was just uh, I don't know that I agree with Speaker Johnson that they should be fired, but I don't know that they should uh, that there should be impunity either. Um, you you work for us, mm-hmm. all of us, and uh, yeah, I just it it was a it, it is a, a curious uh, space that they find themselves in there. Uh, you know, speaking of which, getting someone to answer at UIA may be a problem these right. days.
6: Right. So the Detroit News is reporting this is Beth LeBlanc's um, uh, headline. The, you know, the an appointment scheduling portal that's used by the state unemployment insurance agency here is causing some confusion and frustration among Michigan residents. Who are trying to um, get their jobless uh, jobless aid claims in by indicating that there's no openings for the next several years? Now that, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you go on. Did they uh, lay off everybody? No, no openings. It's that's what it appears. No, they didn't. But the agency uh, said that the portal setup reflected a policy that prohibits claimants from scheduling an appointment more than seven days out. And they note a warning about the seven-day scheduling window is at the top of the webpage containing the portal. A few days after the Detroit News started asking questions about the issue, appointment availability was extended to 14 days out. But the portal itself is frustrating. Claimants who skim past the seven-day or recently amended 14-day warning, even those who read the warning are later confused by the prompts, saying, you know, no appointments for the next couple of years, 2026.
1: So it's a glitch in the system? Or it's people aren't looking at the direction of when they can schedule.
6: I think that people are not looking at the uh, information on the portal. They're kind of skimming past it, and it, and it you know, and it looks like you can't have a, an appointment, you know, for two years. But while the phone or in person appointment with the UIA isn't necessary to file a claim, the option can provide some peace of mind for the claimants or sure. help them sort through issues with the you know with a claim if they you know, if it crops up on them later. and we we'll going
0: just say this comes on the heel of a pretty devastating audit that came from the Auditor General exactly. saying that there was massive fraud, fraud, and even fraud after they acknowledged the fraud and, and <laughs> said they were going to fix it. Mm-hmm. Meantime, there's a new
1: Miss America, and, and she's unique. I enjoy this. Now, I, do I watch Miss America? No, I don't. But I saw this headline that I thought was very interesting because this Miss America is unlike other Miss Americas because she is an Air Force officer. This is 2024 Miss America. Uh, her name is Madison March. She is a master student at the Harvard Kennedy School of Public Policy, and she's also this officer within the Air Force. So she says you can achieve anything. The key is not the limit and the only person that's stopping you is you. So she's a pretty busy person, but she wanted to follow her dream of Miss America and do all these other things. So good yeah. for her.
0: And when she says, "I want world peace," there's a squadron event f behind her saying, "We right. can help you with bikes. that." She's a
1: second <laughs> lieutenant in the U.S. Air Force and the first active-duty Air That'd Force officer her. to re- receive the title.
0: And you know, for for, for little girls from watching, what that's a great role model. Yes. Yeah, Uh, good luck to her. Uh, Governor Whitmer was asked about this $400 million surplus that's anticipated in the new budget year. Uh, You know, could it lead to some income tax cuts? We know the Republicans are very keen on that. They wanted to make their automatic cuts permanent. She Mm -hmm. didn't do that. Mm -hmm. One in court. Um, She said, I don't see any big sweeping changes. I don't think you're going to see any proposals on that front, meaning from the legislature. Well, uh, we know we're at a 54-54 split in the House. I think you are going to see proposals on that. And I would argue a, a nearly half-billion-dollar surplus that maybe you could have a thin slice back. Now, it's not to say that the governor isn't cutting taxes. Uh, beginning February 15th, 550 bucks is going to come to 700,000 households that qualify for the in, earned income tax credit. She's also modified taxes for uh, elders, those that earn pensions. On the backs of some legislation that, in some cases, was actually bipartisan. So, uh, but I, I would argue they they still should have made those income tax uh, cuts permanent. We're still losing people every day that want to move down to Florida to get, you know, even a fractional break on their state income taxes. And we'll see how that goes. But she drew a battle line yesterday, and uh, I got a feeling Republicans are going to not uh, they'll, they'll they're going to drop the gloves. And, oh, and 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 go kind of to that. We will, um, in fact, check in with one of our favorite uh, political consultants to uh, take apart and uh, deconstruct the Iowa results. What does it mean for the second-place and third-place finishers going forward? That's at 749 here on JR Morning. You know, I hear all the time from the Inside Outside guys about home air quality, and they remind me it's not just about keeping you warm and being efficient. It's also about keeping you healthy, and if your filters are a mess, Uh, It needs attention, and listen, the group that they recommend to make sure that you are set for these bitterly cold temperatures is CNC heating and air conditioning. They've been referring them for years because they truly are the gold standard when it comes to customer service and taking care of families the way you want your family taken care of. Uh, They keep reminding me, guy, check your home air filters. Uh, Make sure that you can breathe a little easier and that you're not subjecting yourself to a lot of dust and other nasties uh, when you're cooped up in the house. They've been doing this for 75 years, three quarters of a century, all under the guidance of one very highly motivated family who wants to take care of you and yours. That's how they became one of the most trusted heating and cooling companies in our area. So by all means, stay warm, cozy, safe, but also be healthier with a furnace tune-up. From CNC Heating and Air Conditioning. By the way, right now, they've got a carrier cool cash savings plan out there for you. You can get some significant discounts on a new carrier furnace should you need one. And the best way to do that is by either calling or checking them out online. CNC Heating and Air Conditioning, 800-MY-FURNACE. That's a simple one. 800-693-8762. You'll get a free 21-point comfort survey, and they can install that new carrier system tomorrow. That's right, tomorrow. Visit cncheat.com. That's cncheat.com. Carrier, turn to the experts.
4: It would be so nice if we could come together and straighten out the world and straighten out the problems and straighten out all of the death and destruction that we're witnessing that's practically never been like this. It's uh, just so important.
0: For President Donald Trump, uh, really turning down the heat in his victory speech last night, calling for unity, having nice things to say about Uh, Nikki Haley and Ron DeSantis, uh, after he absolutely slayed them in the Iowa caucuses. 51% of the vote going for him, Uh, Ron DeSantis a distant second, 30 points behind the largest uh, size of margin of victory ever in the Iowa caucuses. But still, just 14% of registered Republicans in Iowa actually went to the caucuses. So uh, very determinative, but only fewer than 15%. Of Republicans in Iowa making a lot of changes and kind of directing the party uh, even though they're not very well representative of what Michigan Republicans look like for instance. Uh, what are the takeaways from it? John Selleck is founder and CEO of Harbor Strategic Public Affairs. John good morning.
11: Good morning guy yeah that's right. Um, only about one and a half percent of all the delegates that will be needed to officially clinch the GOP nomination were at stake last night in Iowa. Well, um, you wouldn't know it from term. the media coverage. Good Lord. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's why we've heard a lot about Iowa and the other states saying, hey, it's our turn. Let someone else do it. Let a more diverse state like Michigan do it. And, you know, Iowa has been used as a springboard going back to at least Jimmy Carter as these surprise jumps forward. Uh, Barack Obama won Iowa before. And interestingly, in 2016, Donald Trump did not win Iowa. Ted Cruz did. So it doesn't always work out. But I think your overall point at the start is the most important that the Trump campaign has been a lot more disciplined this time. And maybe if your organizing feature might be if I'm president, I can't go to jail. That would be intense. But also his team has just been much more disciplined. And I think that messaging that we heard last night was, hey, this is over. I'm going to be the leader of the party. I'm not going to sit up here and bash Haley and DeSantis. I'm going to try to make it easier for you to come along for the ride when I have to face Biden, because that's where we're at now. That's the the Trump argument. Who cares about New Hampshire? I killed this thing, and we're going to move <laughs> forward together. But
0: all, all the left-leaners on, on uh, uh, MSNBC were saying, well, but this shows that 48 percent still want an alternative. Well, they kind of ignore that most of the VEX uh, people are going to go to Donald Trump, and there is still a bandwagon effect. So is that is are they right about that, that, that there's still a chance for an alternative out there? It kind of reminded me of Jim Carrey in Dumber Dumber. You're saying I still have a chance. <laughs>
11: <laughs> <laughs> that's a great one uh yeah you know i try to flick through the different channels during the evening and there are some segments on msnbc were just unwatchable because it just turned into a giant GOP hate fest with lines like that and frankly we know that um the, the why the path for nikki haley is so narrow or non-existent is that most of ron DeSantis's voters their second choice is donald trump and ramaswamy's second choice voters are donald trump so As, uh, you know, the word that uh, Ramaswamy got out of the race, his votes will start to coalesce around Trump. Um, DeSantis is going to keep going forward, and all he needs is money to try to take another shot in New Hampshire. Um, His voters are eventually going to move to Trump. For now, with DeSantis staying in, that only helps Nikki Haley uh, because it makes it more attainable for her to potentially catch up to Trump in New Hampshire.
6: Well, John, is Haley and DeSantis trying to play the long game because they feel that you know, President Trump may not even make it all the way because of all of these, you know, indictments and things that he's dealing with.
11: You know, looking at the um the entrance polling last night, the, the the only groups of people that Nikki Haley straight out won herself were people that don't want to vote for Donald Trump anyway. Um, it's people with higher education degrees. It's people who think that if Trump is convicted, he's unfit to serve. As president, um, those people are already in her camp right now. She's going to pick up those people that were in Chris Christie's camp um, kind of by osmosis without a, quote, endorsement from Christie um, in New Hampshire. Yeah, even though um, Christie said she's going to get smoked, right? <laughs> That's right. You know, he uh, he did his thing. He wanted to serve his conscience. But it actually, I think, helped Nikki Haley uh, because those voters really don't have anywhere else to go. They're just going to quietly flip uh, over to her side.
1: How important is New Hampshire for Nikki Haley? She's saying that she's going to show what she's worth in that next state. How could that flip, if anything?
11: Yeah, it's um 100% vital to her uh, going forward. If she can't make it a really close second uh, or win it, um, it would seem that her path is dead. Now, South Carolina comes right after it, so if she had a really close second-place finish in her home state, somehow delivers her uh the votes uh for that thing but the polling numbers don't show that either um that's going to be tight there too and what we're going to see also is that she comes in third in iowa if she comes in a more distant second in new hampshire a lot of folks in south carolina will start to just jump on the bandwagon and say okay uh if i was going to vote for anyone else i think i'm probably going to make that choice now i i kind of sat it out and waited to see if nikki could get here I think uh, she has a core group of voters that we talked about earlier that are usually have higher education levels, don't think that Trump should serve as president if he gets convicted. They're more moderate sounding. And there was one poll out this week that showed that 43 percent of them would vote for Joe Biden if Trump were the nominee. Um, So she she holds actually a key, I think, for Trump uh, in the general and that we should be watching to see if they can get along at all. Because if you're Trump and you want to keep these soft GOP voters in the camp, maybe the best way to do that is to pull Nikki Haley under your ticket.
0: Oh, Vivek Ramaswamy mm. may have
11: something to say about that. <laughs> his,
0: his campaign for VEEP has already begun. Um, i got, I got to ask you, though, uh, when you start to look at this, look at it through the eyes of the no-labels party or those considering a third-party run. What were their takeaways yesterday? Uh, even with this impressive 51% victory in Iowa for President Trump, Iowa is, a, is kind of a unicorn.
11: It is uh, kind of a unicorn and it certainly is not a way to judge the the general election in any way. Um, I think they're going to be reading the same talking points that you said that they were on MSNBC. They're going to say, oh, look at that. You know, even 49% of his own party didn't vote for him. A huge chunk of voters voted for the second place, Ron DeSantis, because they wanted Trump-like conservative policies. They don't want any of the baggage. They don't want any of the drama. They don't want the personality. You know, you make the list that they don't like. Um, That's it. But we started seeing, I think, Larry Hogan backed away from that last week. My sense is um, if somebody does it, it's because they just want to run for president, not because they think they can win.
0: Right. And what does that do to their prospects in 2028? Because it may make them unelectable then if they hand Joe Biden a victory, even though it looks like a third party run um, will will help Trump more than uh, the Democrats. Yeah. Uh, John Selleck, we will watch all of it uh, with uh, New Hampshire next in everybody's sights. They at least extend their run. Uh, for another round in the in the ring, and we'll wait to see if Nikki Haley can improve her fortunes there and just what the margin of victory is for Donald Trump. Take care, John. Thank you. Thank you. And this JR Morning is a frigid one. We're still in the single digits in many places with high winds taking those wind chills low enough that most of the metro area. Uh, the schools are closing. You can check all of that out at WJR.com if you haven't already. Meantime, I want to send out some love to the Philadelphia Eagles because <laughs> they their implosion. By the way, Lomas, what do you think about the Eagles?
2: Yeah, they, they, they suck. They do. They do. And, and,
0: and, and because they do, we could get another Home game. We could have the NFC Championship game here. Not look, looking too far in advance, but
1: the players aren't allowed to look ahead, but we're allowed to look. We ahead. are. Yeah. yeah. The Lions are hosting the Tampa Bay Bucks because the Eagles, as Loma says, they suck. uh They went from ten and one to start the season, defending NFC champs champs to losing six of their last seven, including last night, 32 to nine wildcard loss to the Bucks. Now, the Lions have played the Bucks this season and beat them 20 to six. Jared Goff had 353 yards passing. Um, they're expecting, obviously, a raucous crowd, just like before. Yeah. And they won. So here's Dan Campbell talking. This is before we knew who they were going to play. But this is him talking about the atmosphere.
3: And it was just four hours of nonstop barrage of uh, the fans just going off, and you know the chance for golf, and uh, it, it was just what a special, special environment. I mean, I for anybody that was there, you'll never forget that. You you will net for the rest of your life. That'll be something you're talking about. Uh, that was that was special.
1: Certainly special. And then we get to do it all over again with these Bucks who are just nine and eight and won the worst division in football. Sure, Baker Mayfield has this resurgence. Sure, mm-hmm. they have Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, these two receivers that are pretty good. But we got the Lions who nah, ble- also have this offense that could yeah. sort of outscore anyone.
0: Yeah. Baker Mayfield's being fitted for noise-canceling hearing aids right now. He, <laughs> he's gonna not going to be able to hear anything. No, no. it
1: is going to be one of the loudest places ever. And you're one went away from the NFC Championship. The Lions have reached the NFC title game just once in the Super Bowl era. That was in 91. We know how that ended with mm-hmm. Washington. But this is looking good. Is this a team of destiny?
0: I think all the the stars and the moons and everything sure, are, are lining up, man. I it think they are. God, it's when the Bucks come through for this divisional playoff game. You have gotta wonder if there isn't just the the stars aren't in alignment. I mean, we 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 beat the guy who was on our team who left who went to the West
6: Coast. Uh, 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 Dallas got just destroyed just by the Packers. And, you know, yeah. So I just,
1: all of this stuff is just kind of. I mean, I if don't the know. Packers can pull it off. Maybe we host a third game. I don't know. We're all looking ahead here. Let's.
0: We have okay. a secret weapon, eighty-nine-year-old Benjamin Cap, sixty-six-year <laughs> season ticket holder who went to the fifty-seven national championship games when he was still just a a pup. Uh, he was going to be with us earlier today. We're going to make sure we connect with him. Because he is the good luck charm. Yes, My favorite
1: part is that all these media outlets are trying to interview this 89-year-old. He's got to be loving it.
0: Oh, uh, His daughter's a friend of mine. And I talked to her yesterday, and she says, he is really enjoying this so much. And he's such a great guy. Do you know that he, he's, he was in the marble business? Great old Italian businessman. He was in the marble business. He provided the marble for the Marshall Frederick Spirit of Detroit statue. Wow. Really? Yeah. He's a, he's a fascinating guy. A good-looking wow. guy too. He sure I want to. I, I want to be a silver fox like that when I get to eighty-nine. <laughs> Look, it,
1: they won with him in the stands, I need him there on Sunday
0: yeah. as well. Oh, he's going to be there. He'll be there. Make no mistake about it. And he's. I, I think he, you saw he was there with a bunch of his his uh, sons. He he. They had a, some some weather-related stuff at their house today, so he wasn't able to join us. But by golly. We're going to make sure that the secret weapon is on J.R. morning Well, can it that be
1: tomorrow? Because I want to talk to him, and I'm off on Thursday and Friday. We'll do, our,
0: we'll do our best. <laughs> Close circuit, Nick Roddy. Yeah. Subtle, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> so uh, we'll see if we can make that happen. Uh, meantime, uh, you can check out our discussion with John Selleck at WJR.com or TheGreatVoice.com. Some really good insights about what the Ohio, Iowa rather, uh, caucuses mean. Uh, the caveat there that you just had fewer than 14%. Uh, And less than 1% of the delegates determined yesterday. But it's had this huge wave. The interesting point is is both Nikki Haley and Ron DeSantis survived a fight another day, which the biggest winner there may be Donald Trump, because that means the anti-Trump vote continues to be divided. And it was called before it was over. Well,
1: called called before it even started.
0: (laughs) And well, to
1: be fair, it started, but it was 25 minutes in.
0: Yeah, yeah but many hadn't made their choices right. yet, right? I mean, they if were you in know how the, the caucuses work, they were in the room, but that didn't mean that they had filed their ballots. So, Who knows how much influence that had, but with everybody's smartphones now, they certainly got that, and yes. the representatives in the room could say, hey, folks, bandwagon, you, know, you don't have to worry about these other folks. Donald Trump, this is this is a clear path now. I don't know how uh, compelling that argument was, but it made a, made a few folks and it only takes a few folks all to takes. shift a few That's all points. It takes. Uh, he won every county except for one, and that one he lost by just one point. Well, we should learn
6: uh, more, Guy, about the circumstances surrounding the death of well-known Jewish leader Samantha Wall later this morning. Michael Jackson Bolanos, who was charged in the slaying of Wall, uh, who was found dead uh, with multiple stab wounds outside her Detroit residence last October. The 28-year-old defendant was arraigned in 36th District Court in December. He's charged with homicide, breaking and entering, and lying to a peace officer. Prosecutors plan to unveil details today during a preliminary exam that will support those charges. Jackson Bolanos was tied to Wall's murder after investigators linked him to a number of uh, robberies in the area of Joliet Place in downtown Detroit, where Wall lived. Uh, initially, a person of interest was arrested in connection with her death and then released about three days later. Brian Brown, who is the attorney for Jackson Bolano, says he believes police have the wrong suspect again because the evidence against his client is circumstantial at best. But according to authorities, some of the evidence linking uh, Jackson Bolanos to the crime, one includes wool's uh, blood found on his coat. Assistant Wayne County Prosecutor Ryan Elsley plans on calling 12 witnesses during what he calls a lengthy exam, which is slated to get underway around 1130 this morning. Meanwhile, U.S. Representative Alyssa Slotkin can convene her annual meeting with interfaith leaders from around the district under the new name, the Samantha Wall Interfaith Roundtable. That's a nice tribute. It That's is.
0: That's a very nice tribute. Um, also, a story to watch for today, the uh, faction within the Michigan GOP that says there is the time for a change in leadership is long overdue. They were the ones that met on January 6th to remove Christina Caramo from the chair... Personship of the Michigan GOP, she had a meeting uh, that they say was illegitimate back uh, last Saturday where 59 members of the state committee, more than a majority, uh, voted to keep her in that slot. It looks like it's going to be a court that will decide that. That could be filed as soon as today or tomorrow. She has said that this group that's against her has always been against her, that they are deep state establishment Republicans who don't believe in the grassroots movement. Warren Carpenter, who's leading the charge to remove here,
10: had this to say about that. I was a huge supporter of Christina's. I raised like 20 grand for her. Uh, her car broke down over the summer. I let her borrow my, one of my trucks from my work. Um, I gave her the $1,000 it took for her to run for chair since so she had started 527, um, which is an IRS entity that helps you kind of raise up to $25,000 for, for political races and stuff. Um you know, if I was so deep state the entire time, then why'd you why'd you take all my money? Why'd you accept everything, all, all the work I did for you? You know, I ran her floor count at the convention. I, I helped whip the votes to get her elected. You know, it wasn't until I saw behind the the curtain and and, and realized that the Wizard of Oz, you know, was was Mike Lavity pulling all these strings, and Christina was just a talking head. She says you know, she in- there's bad stuff that's going on.
0: Yeah, she says that she inherited a party that was in debt. You're supposed to inherit a party that's in debt. There's a, there's a, the, the, you're supposed to be out of bullets, mm-hmm. yeah. right? And Otherwise, you, you didn't do your job,
1: right? And you rebuild.
0: Yeah, and that's uh so we will see where that goes. That lawsuit again being filed either today or tomorrow. Jr. Morning continues when we come back. Seniors may be neglecting an important money saving opportunity when it comes to their health care, but also. Uh, leading to breakdowns in communication with their doctor that could harm them in the long run. We'll learn more about that at 819.
1: I want to tell you about a great family-owned window company that I've recently gotten the chance to get to know, Clarkson Window and Door. For over 36 years, Clarkson Window and Door has been providing hundreds of thousands of windows and doors to Michigan homes. Their windows are made to order. That means you control the design process from everything, from color, the style, the grids, hardware, everything. They work with North Star Windows, an American-owned company that designs windows that can stand up to the harshest winter conditions so they can handle all crazy Michigan weather, including what's going on right now outside our window. Clarkson window and door installers are experts with decades of experience, and they never use subcontractors. So you always know who you're working with, who's in your house. There are never any high-pressure sales tactics, and they offer fair and honest pricing. Great financing options are available, too. And to top it all off, all the windows come with a lifetime warranty, so you don't have to worry about that. It's no surprise the Clarkson Window and Door is so highly recommended by WJR's home improvement experts, the Inside Outside Guys. Check out their reviews online or go see them at their design showroom. When it's time to replace your windows, make sure you call Clarkson Window and Door. Visit ClarksonWindow.com for more information. Call 248-338-6781. That's two four eight three three eight six seven eight one.
0: So there is a trend in healthcare called direct to consumer, uh, which allows uh, patients aged fifty to sixty four uh, using these services uh, and uh, for their prescriptions and through other services. Uh, the providers do a pretty good job. We're going to learn more about this, but. Uh, They may not share their interactions with these other providers, with their own doctors, and that can lead to a communications gap that could harm them. I wanted to learn more about this from a guy that explains these things so well. Mark Fendrick is both a physician and an economist at the University of Michigan, professor in the Department of Internal Medicine and Health Management and Policy. Dr. Mark, good morning.
4: Happy New Year, guy! We're off to a great start with a national championship here in Ann Arbor. A Lions playoff victory, and I got to witness the Fab Four, Fab Five reunion yesterday. Yeah, Thank how yeah.
0: about that? First
1: yeah. time back.
0: Yeah, lots of hugs for for, for Juwan, and I, I'm sure that his, You know, he kind of needs that support he right does. now, and mm-hmm. I'm sure that was appreciated. Help me with this direct to consumer thing. What kind of health services are we talking about? And just kind of give me the four one one on what kind of uh, what what that means.
4: Yeah, I hope all your listeners know what 411 means like we do, Guy. I'm not sure Jamie does. But, but um, <laughs> I'm, I'm, uh, if, you, if you're watching any of the fantastic sports in the past month, you're seeing lots of advertisements for mental health, women's health, um, cholesterol management, a whole bunch of things that uh, are now growing, given that since the pandemic, a lot of people are quite happy getting their health care online. And while I'm uh, very much uh, for the use of telehealth or virtual health, what worries me is that there are safety and continuity concerns in that from the very beginning, I had some reservations about people getting medications and other services online and not telling their clinicians about them, which because you know drugs have different interactions and people have certain types of allergies, uh, I want to make sure that people know to tell their clinicians and clinicians know to ask their patients.
1: Do you think um, older Americans not using these services, they're a little nervous their personal information could get out there?
4: Well, there's lots of reasons, Jamie. You know that old folks like us are a little bit slower to adopt stuff online compared to younger folks like you. What was very interesting of our poll from the National Poll on Healthy Aging is that roughly uh, about 1 in 10 people are already using this in this age group, but almost half when asked explicitly would they be interested in using it in the future, uh, said they're likely to do so. So I I think this is only going to grow as you see the large number of vendors getting into this space. And, and given what we talked about last time, Jamie, about these really impressive anti-obesity medications, mm-hmm. you may have heard that one of the largest manufacturers has launched something called Lilly Direct, in that the people who want to get these medications can go directly to an online source and not to their regular clinician to have access to these difficult to, to get medications
6: uh, professor what, what are the implications what implications do the, um, the the poll have for patient safety and continuity of care
4: yeah Lloyd this is exactly why I'm so glad you folks invited me back on I, I I'm all for technological innovation I'm all for the fact that almost all the pollsters who used these services said they did it for convenience you know that there's a tremendous backlog to get into general practitioners like myself. So the, the, the key issue is not that people should not be using these services, in my opinion. What they should be doing is making sure that if they're getting a prescription from one of these online services, that they write in their note when they see their clinician next to them and say, by the way, I just got a prescription to manage my blank mm-hmm. from an online provider. Because I, I do have worries, uh, Lloyd, that there, as you know, that uh, when you take one drug alone, it's fine. But sometimes Drugs uh, don't mix well, Mm -hmm. and they have concerns over their interactions. And then there's always the issue of a hidden allergy that may not be asked for, may not be remembered when a patient was online. That may lead to really serious health consequences in a negative way.
0: Regarding the direct-to-consumer services, what services are the most appropriate for this kind of telehealth option? I know folks think it's very convenient. Does it save money? And which services work best?
4: Yeah. Predictions are dangerous, particularly those about the future. (laughs) Right, Guy? You know, our favorite Yogi Berra quote. Um, So it really depends on the person. So the idea that various people have certainly various preferences about which ones look best, which is really interesting and not surprising probably to you, is that in the early phases of this growth of these online services, most people were uh, paying their own money. In other words, they were not using their insurance to get these things covered. So in terms of actual savings or dissatisfaction with their own providers, that was not really a clear motivator. I think it's convenience that is driving this. It can be, It's the convenience that drives me to no longer go to the supermarket every week and, and click away and, have, and pick up my groceries. So we have to hopefully combine the real positive benefit guy of the convenience to patients, particularly those who are increasingly frustrated about their inability to get in to see their clinician, or some people in Michigan can't even find a primary care provider. Mm. But when they do find their provider, uh, you know, the key message here is if you're using an online source, like I've said for years, if you're taking vitamins or other supplements, these things have important health ramifications, and it's really important for you and your clinician to be on the same page.
6: Professor, it's one thing when you talk about uh, using uh, direct-to-consumer services for, you know, general health, Maybe skin care, weight management. What about mental health?
4: Yeah, this has probably been the greatest plus in terms of the virtual health movement. As, you know, we have, A, a very important rise in people needing mental health services, and we have nowhere near the supply in Michigan and nationally to take up for that in terms of face-to-face or uh, people having in-office visits. So uh, I am very much for the growth uh, of the mental health services online and i think that they are going to continue to rise but uh, as again as we showed that of the people who used the services 60% got a prescription lloyd so you know and you know while these antidepressants and anti anxiety medications are so valuable in terms of health they do interact with other medications and they they are important in, in terms of knowing if you're seeing a behavioral therapist or getting some non medication therapy or your mental health problems or something else yeah so i have to say uh i love that you call me a professor because i feel like the guy in gilligan's island uh.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well then get then get on your bike and give us some more power will you <laughs> <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> uh dr fendrick it's always a pleasure to connect and uh, i guess the the take the main takeaway is if you use direct consumer uh by all means share that information with your primary care physician if you have one thanks for your time doctor
4: Great. Thanks, Guy. You know, you saying that message is so compelling and important. I appreciate the three of you having me on.
0: All right. And we appreciate you. Have a great week. Well, a lot of kids aren't in school this week. Uh, The school boards will be busy. Uh, We've got a public hearing today, I believe, in the Northville Public Schools about whether to open a health clinic at the middle and high school. We're seeing, I think, also a debate going on in Livonia. Um, You know, after we've seen these terrible school shootings, one of the first things we hear people say is, well, we need better mental health. Um, And this certainly having a a mental health clinic or just a general health clinic would be a, a threat assessment tool. Uh, but there's a lot of pushback from parents saying, you know we're worried about that this is going to become a dispensary for contraceptives that things are going to be done that we're not going to be aware of that there won't be parental notification on uh, issues of gender and other things um, but it's going to it's 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 an important debate to have, and I understand their concerns uh, but this can be so important for these young people uh, for those that do need help and we know that Who knows what would have happened had Ethan Crumbly had Mm -hmm. access. An option
1: to go talk to someone. Yeah. Is that going to be big in this proposed health clinic, mental health?
0: It's going to be a component. And um, I I understand the whole concern about uh, about parental notification and, and consent. Uh, but you got to be careful not to throw the baby out with the bathwater yeah, because yeah. it can. This can also. I, I I do think the benefits that you can put safeguards in
1: place. Sure, there could that. be reporting rules. So you, mm-hmm.
0: mandatory reporting requirements. Mm-hmm.
6: Yeah, you know, and and Detroit Public Schools Community District they have some help hubs that they are putting in uh, schools. Twelve of them, as a matter of fact, and these uh, uh, health hubs uh, will uh, address behavioral, mental, and physical needs to support students and families
0: and and their goal is something a little bit different it's not just having a safer school it's making sure that kids get to school that's right to
6: try to stop absenteeism a lot of times kids get sick and they got to get sent home uh this way we can send you to the clinic make sure you know you're good and you can maybe go back to
0: class if it's not very serious
1: they didn't want it in gross point the board voted that down to have this outside entity
0: And again, there was this sense of outsiders. And by the way, on on paper, it was a good deal. They were going to have to make some modifications to the building. But other than that, the health services were going to be free.
1: Right. Yeah. And it was going to be autonomous. And they didn't want that.
0: uh, We had Madonna last night at uh, Little Caesars Arena. And I guess it was amped. It was a high energy show. I saw
1: some videos. And she looks good. Yeah. And confirmed she came on at 1030, Lloyd. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Nice tribute to her dad, uh, 92-year-old Tony Chacon. Um, it was just a, a, a nice moment. And some nice moments at the Emmys last night.
1: Yeah, Christina Applegate. We were talking about this. She has MS, and um, she came out with her cane, and she got a standing ovation. But she made jokes immediately. She's like, honestly, this is triggering for me. You all can stand up. So, And everyone <laughs> laughed. That's And she talked about her role. She said that last role in Dead to Me is probably it for her. Which is sad because she was excellent throughout her life.
0: And she also, but you could tell um, she was struggling with her disability then. But mm-hmm. still, what a powerful actress and a powerful person. She's been through, what, two bouts with cancer and yes. all this. Mm-hmm.
1: I know her as Kelly Bundy. Yeah, That's how I know and love her.
0: Yeah, me as well. I, and if Well, if you haven't seen her in Samantha Who, which was an ABC sitcom, check it out. It's, it, it's easily attainable
6: out this there. This is the only thing
1: I care about of the Emmy. Did anyone even watch?
6: I I saw the one part where the uh, All in the Family cast well it was actually Sally Struthers and Rob Reiner paid tribute to Norman Lear and they were on the set of
0: the original
6: All in the Family show and uh, which I
0: think they had to borrow from the Smithsonian no because it, it's that they had they they asked for that after there was a wrap on Archie Bunker and Sally Struthers said tonight as
6: we remember the legends of our industry. We lost this past year. We celebrate their lives and legacy and the joy they brought us. So to all of the members of our television families who have passed on, her and Rob Reiner both said those were the days.
1: Mm -hmm. Oh, I like that.
0: And raised awareness.
1: Apparently this bear, the bear, is something I have to watch. Yes. It continues to win. It it is. Oh, my
0: gosh. You haven't seen it? No. No. (laughs) Is it streaming on what? What is it on? Hulu, I think
6: Hulu?
8: Okay. it was an FX show, so gotcha. it was FX and Hulu. Okay,
0: yeah. Everybody that's seen it says you it's you gotta watch. And as soon as Gail and I are done binging suits, we'll we'll give it a try.
1: <laughs> Jennifer Coolidge, the White Lotus supporting actress, support. Love that.
0: Well, and then everything else went to the folks at Succession, and right?
1: then and everything else Succession. Succession
0: yeah, yeah. Um, it, it is funny how you just have these. The, there are still these shows, and there's a big question about. in in succession, is there a hero in that show? Is there anybody that you would want to have lunch with or even a beer? No. Um, I mean, is there anybody that you could look at and say that's the hero of the show? Or are they all kind of deplorable human beings but fascinating?
1: (laughs) I think that the latter. You didn't want any of them to succeed the dad because they were all terrible.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
9: I
1: actually like Tom Wamsgant, so good for him. Sorry, spoiler alert. (laughs) By the way, have
0: you, I don't know if you get a chance to see them, and there will be these digital billboards that we see up on the expressways oh, yeah. uh, that are from the Department of Transportation seeing, you know, watch out for deer. Mm-hmm. Things like that. Watch your speed. You know, the ice is out there. Well, there are there's some states that have some funny ones. Like in Massachusetts, it says, use Ya blinker. K- B-L-I-N-K-A-H. Okay, nice Boston accent. It uh-huh. says, visiting in-laws? Slow down. Get there late. That's from our friends in Ohio. They still drive home the message. They do it in a humorous way and perhaps in a more memorable way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. It's more attention-getting. And isn't that the point? Well, apparently not for the U.S. DOT. The Department of Transportation told Arizona, you got more than 300 electric signs. You may no longer be funny. Cut out the funny. Cut, drop the funny, Uh and, and you know, so big in brother, words, drop the effectiveness would be my argument. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, it's still in a if humor is when it look at all the pastors that have used it on their their oh. uh, menu boards out in front of their churches. Absolutely, It tickles your funny bones, but it makes you it drives home a message. It does. It's it's a message for a day that's done in a humorous vein, and and we've seen this in a lot of places. Pete Buttigieg is a is a Michigander. Let's. Talk to him and ask him why. Yeah, Pete. <laughs> I know you're not the funniest guy in the world, but can can you at least f- f- acknowledge that this is an effective? Perhaps tool of communication? the argument
1: is it's a serious message. Slow down, ice road closure, and it shouldn't be funny.
0: Yeah, but it's not making light of the message. It's right. Just, yeah, so you could
6: I mean, to me, you could still have those messages, those messages. But like the one you said about going to you know your mother
0: in laws or your your in laws and stuff. Slow down. Yeah. Get here late. Um. There's there's a number of uh, Republicans that are pushing back on this and saying, folks, you're, you're taking this way too seriously. That humor can drive the message home better than right. all, all of these things that we see daily everywhere. California is the – nobody is more addicted to signs than the state of California <laughs> telling you that, you know, that the Starbucks coffee you have in, you know – platypuses could they get cancer from it or something you know and they're <laughs> going to put up a sign to warn you about that it, yeah there are exhaust fumes in in multi-deck parking structures in california so they have standing in this parking structure could be hazardous to your health they've got that in parking decks in california okay. they've gone they've lost their minds
1: i have a question how are you celebrating the lions first playoff win in 32 years multiple ways i'm sure everyone out there but you could get free pizza Oh,
0: from our friends (laughs) at Shields. Shields
1: Shields is offering free pizza at all locations today from 5 to 8 p.m. because the Lions won for dine-in guests only. Groups of one or two will get one small free pizza with one topping. Groups of three or more will get one large pizza with one topping. And you can add extra toppings for an additional charge. But that's nice. There's a Shields on Woodward, one on Telegraph in Southfield, and one on Maple Road in Troy.
0: How did Let's you celebrate see? the uh, the Lions win? Uh, trying to get the
6: electricity back on, <laughs> <laughs> trying to get some warmth in the house. We're, but
1: you had it to watch
9: the game. I did. Okay. I said, "Man, come Feel. on,
6: yeah." I did. Well, if not, mom would have. Yeah I, yeah, I was over mom's and stuff. But when the high power came back on, I said, "Mom would love you, and, and to."
0: And go Nick's got heat <laughs> back at his house. Our, our friends at and CNC, CNC yeah. came through for him. Uh, CNC heating and air conditioning because that something wasn't working and. They found that something, and and it can and get cold
1: it. real quick in uh, your house.
0: Yeah, uh, uh, test. Yeah, we've we've got a frozen water line that I am going to address in about oh thirty minutes or so. So, <laughs> uh, but but in the meantime, yeah, it is dangerously close. Out. Of, it, we had a great conversation with Doctor uh, uh, Jason Veter, who's with Henry Ford Health, and you can find that at wjr dot com. Uh, stream the whole podcast. Stream the whole show again if you want to. Uh, but he he talked about the fact that this is a mistake that you don't want to make because it will haunt you or your child. For many years to come. you know this firsthand. Yeah, I do. Mm -hmm. Uh, Greer got her face wet when we were playing outside in the snow on a day that actually the the air temperature was above freezing, but the snow on her face still frostbit her. And every time she went out after that, after a little girl, she would get little white, just little white things there. And you go, okay, I'm a horrible father yeah um, well, we it made me stop and think like yeah, I never sh- what that. should
1: I put on her sh- face so, on?
0: but might you know not only make sure that they're protected, but if they get wet faces, wipe it off as soon as you La- can. That Vaseline we, on. S- <laughs> we still get out and play with the grandkids, but we're a heck of a lot more careful now, and hopefully a little bit wiser when we come back, we are going to tra- talk talk lions with Tim Twinneman. The senior writer for DetroitLions.com as we continue to celebrate this playoff victory and get ready for the next one. J.R. Morning, 849, next.
1: We are still celebrating the Lions' first playoff victory in three decades, even as we look ahead to the divisional round against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers Sunday at 3 o'clock. We're going to bring in Tim Twentyman, Senior Writer for the DetroitLions.com. Tim, you were in the building, as was I. It was unbelievable on Sunday night.
2: Yeah, it was a great atmosphere. Probably the best I've ever uh, covered in my 15 years covering the Lions. They they came with the energy. They kept it for four hours, and um, it, it was pretty electric. And I say four hours because, I mean, they were in their seats an hour before the game. Uh, they were loud. They were chanting Jared golf. And, look, they played a factor in the game.
1: A hundred percent.
2: The Rams had to take uh, uh, two timeouts in the second half to avoid delay of game penalties, and that ended up helping the 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 Lions run off the clock at the end. So uh, it was a great atmosphere, and they played a factor in the win.
1: Uh, more of the same, I would assume, on Sunday afternoon when it comes from the fan point of view. What are your thoughts on the matchup with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? Some good receivers coming in again.
2: Yeah, really, good receivers. Um, and, look, that's been an issue for the Lions, right, over the last month. You look what Justin Jefferson was able to do with C.D. Lamb and then Puka Nakua um, last week. So, you know, I think that's something the Lions have to uh, tighten up a little bit. And, you know, Mike Evans has never not had a thousand-yard season. He's one of the best in the league. And, you look, the Lions did a good job. This is a rematch of a week six game that Detroit won 20-6 in Tampa Bay. Uh, they did a really nice job. Um you know, limiting the, the, the receivers there. Um, Baker Mayfield had had kind of a, a, a tough afternoon. I think Tampa Bay only had 253 total yards of offense. And um, Jared Goff threw for 353 yards. It was his, um, you know, highest yardage game of the year. So, look, both teams are going to learn from that. I'm sure Todd Bowles is going to, you know, revamp his plan a little bit, be prepared, and it, it'll be a good matchup. Both these teams know each other. And this time it's at Ford Field, and that's certainly advantage Detroit.
6: Tim, when you're on a team that's doing well, it puts a spotlight on you, uh, so to speak. And you got a couple of uh, Lions uh, coordinators, Aaron Glenn and Ben Johnson, who will interview for head coaching positions this week. There are a lot of them there. Um, what do you think?
2: Yeah, you know that that's the price of of being good, right? And right. Look that. that the lions will take it. Certainly. Um, you know, it'll be an interesting week for those guys. Um, now they can, they can interview virtually this week. Um, uh, Ben has five interviews. Um, at least he's been requested for five Aaron Glenn with, with four. So, um, it'll be interesting. Um, Dan set a time for those interviews to take place can be Friday after practice they've got to schedule those and then Saturday they're going to do a walkthrough and there's a window there Saturday after the walkthrough and before the evening uh, meetings so um, you know he was pretty confident that that look it's going to be all about getting this offense and this defense prepared first and foremost Mm -hmm. Um, but then it's look it's a life-changing type interview right and so uh, there's going to be a lot on those two guys' plates but I'm pretty confident that They'll have uh, the Detroit Lions and, and beaten the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers first and foremost on their mind. Oh,
0: yeah. But I mean, we would hate to see either one of those guys leave. But this is a different time, Tim. You and I remember when, uh, if you lost a guy like that, you'd have to twist some arms to fill that vacancy. I would have to imagine with the the, the trend line of this team, there's an awful lot of talent out there dying to come here.
2: Yeah, certainly. And I think there's some really good internal candidates, too, um, that I think Dan is and, and, and Ben and uh, Aaron have kind of been grooming as well. So there's certainly going to be options. I mean, you look at this uh, team and the young talent that they have. I mean, this isn't a veteran group, an aging group. You look at a Philadelphia team um, that lost last night, you know, a lot of veteran guys 10 plus years, that's not the case here in Detroit. I mean, this is young talent. um, And I think both those jobs would be very attractive if they decided to go outside of uh, the current coaching staff. But I think there's some some great internal candidates as well.
1: Um, Tim, I mean, even free agents are going to want to come here and play for this coach and this culture. And that is certainly a difference from when I first started working here in Detroit. Um, Just talk a little bit about Uh, Brad Holmes and Dan Campbell and their relationship and how they've gotten to this point in three short years.
2: Yeah. I mean, they have the same vision and I think it's, it's really important. It's the most important relationship in, in a franchise is if your GM and your head coach are lockstep on the same page um, you can accomplish a lot. And that's exactly um, where Brad Holmes and Dan Campbell are. You saw some of the videos after the game, of those two and, and Brad getting a game ball from Dan and and, and Brad uh, freaking out and <laughs> the elevator.
5: <laughs> yeah,
2: he's an excitable guy, you know, and I I like that about him, right? Um, he's not a robot. Um, he's not, you know, he, he lets his he, he puts his emotions on his sleeve, and and I love that about him because Dan's the same way, and I think that's why they fit. And and look, you know, having great ownership is, is first and foremost, and then you know having. Um, your GM and your head coach on the same page, those are, are the formulas for sustained success in the NFL in, in terms of the front office and the organizational level.
1: I mean, you saying great ownership, too, is something that wasn't mentioned. Kudos to Sheila Ford Hamp <laughs> yes. for this Just from top down. This is a really exciting time in Detroit. I love it.
2: Yeah, 100%. And look, kudos to her for for having a vision of of what she wanted, right? She wanted to change the culture. And it wasn't just the football culture. It was the entire organizational culture. And, you know, she put really smart people around her, um, you know, in in, in terms of Mike Dizner, who's now, you know, getting some opportunities across the League too. People are seeing how how good he is. And then Chris Spielman and, you know, and then the hiring of Dan and Brad and just her
0: vision. Yep. Tim, we got to go. We thank you. Go Lions. Uh, We'll see you tomorrow at 6. Take
7: care.